0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network.
1: We're back on the Oz Network for our seventh and second to last Home Improvement Christmas special, as we've been going through these for two years straight. Um, no, there is not a hundred and four Christmas specials; there are eight, but we just do it during December. So uh, we've got one more to go after this, and this is the one as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. I barely remember. Um, so. We'll see if uh, it made an impression on me having watched this and having most of it come back to me, remembering most of it now, but uh, probably by the time we're recording, done recording this episode, I will have likely forgotten it again. My name is Colin and keep your freaking Santa out of my yard. And
2: I'm Rossi. And I also never knew that Detroit had stop signs.
1: (laughs) This one is interesting. Uh, I very curious to hear what you thought about it. Cause there's nothing wrong with this episode. As far as I'm concerned, this it's, it's fine. It, it's just, to me, it feels like everything that's done in this episode is something that they've done in the previous episodes. And, you know, I, maybe I like it a little bit less for that. I don't know, but maybe you like it a little bit more. I don't know. What were your thoughts on uh, season seven? I should probably say which one we're at. We're at season seven, episode 11, bright Christmas.
2: It was weird. I don't know if I've said this about another episode. Um, I think I have, but I can't remember which one. Um, but it felt like this didn't need to happen on Christmas. <laughs> like, what was the Christmas connection? Mm-hmm. Like, none of the mom storyline had to, anything to do with Christmas. Like, obviously, like, you know, it's hard on a holiday to be without, you know, the person that you marry or whatever. But, like, it just didn't seem like it needed to be on Christmas. Like, this is, like, an episode that should have had the same weight as uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't. And it was on Christmas for some reason.
1: You know, what's weird about this? Cause I was actually, I was thinking about the same thing. The, the fact is this is almost more of a dramatic episode. That's not very heavy. It's not like Jill's mom gets cancer. I mean, Jill's mom basically is recently widowed and she has a new boyfriend. I mean, that's the drama of this episode, but yet to compliment this episode, I feel like it's handled in a way where it's relatable, where even if you haven't, been through this situation where you know you're, you're lost a parent and then your other parents found somebody new uh you can still kind of see where Jill's coming from I I, I think my compliment okay for, for let me just let me just collect my thoughts here I'll start with my criticism this episode what I was saying at the beginning about how everything here is something we've seen before we had the season four episode where Jill's family, this same mother was visiting. And most of the storyline was just about Jill and her mom kind of arguing or Jill and her mom not seeing eye to eye on something. And we also had, you know, uh, somebody helping Tim with the Christmas lights. I mean, that's basically uh, the majority of these Christmas episodes. Uh, And we also had, uh, or I think that one's still to come. As I said, there's going to be another episode, either it's in this season or in the following season where Tim's mom starts dating Uh, even though she's been a widow for a long time. I think it probably was before this because he referenced this episode, but everything's something we haven't seen before. Now on the positive side, I feel like in the season four episode where Jill and her mom were arguing and Jill's parents were arguing, I didn't really see anybody's side of it. Like it it was played more for comedy. It was about they're all kind of (laughs) crazy. And this one, I actually do see both their characters sides. So Really, I don't know whether this should come as a surprise, and I only found this out before we recorded the episode, but um, Patricia Richardson got nominated for an Emmy, I think, four out of the eight seasons for Best Actress. But the way that the Emmys work is that you put up one episode, which is what the, the network says, this is the episode we want to submit for nominations. So even though she's nominated for Best Actress for a season, It's based off of one episode that the Emmy voters are going off of. And this was the episode that got her nominated for an Emmy. So when you look up the Emmys from 1998, she was nominated for a bright Christmas of all episodes, which I mean, maybe that speaks something to the fact that the drama part is handled a little bit better in this than maybe home improvement usually does.
2: Well, I feel like, I don't know, my first point negative, but it's definitely higher in my rankings than probably you have it. But we'll get to that at the end, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think everything you said seems fair, um and like the fact that it it was relatable, it didn't have the intensity mm-hmm. that even the episode that you liked that I didn't when their parents were there
1: mm-hmm.
2: like there was more intensity to that than this episode. Not that the matter wasn't like done carefully, but it was just different I don't know it was handled differently, and I don't know if that's like a later season sensitivity or whatever mm. but it was just done differently so but yeah I'd nothing really for me had nothing to do with christmas which so i'm like uh what's the point of this being a christmas episode
1: and i think as opposed to last week where the episode itself really had nothing to do with christmas this one they really use the christmas lights to put as much christmas in this episode and even the tool time segments to inject as much christmas into this but although i completely get what you're saying the storyline itself does not need to be christmas whereas i feel like the one with jill's parents you kind of it it does lend itself more to a christmas story with that because you have a lot of family visiting and everything um I'm, i'm gonna jump into the episode here so uh one thing i want to ask just before we start is i don't know how you're watching these episodes um but I, from what I understand, a home Improvement was not available on Disney Plus for the longest time, which is weird because Disney owns the show. And what it ultimately came down to is that the uh, I guess the creators of the show said that they weren't being paid properly for the streaming rights. So they basically, you know, I don't know whether they were in the process of taking uh, Disney to court or whatever, but it was held up for a long time. And recently it's been playing, I guess, on Hulu, which we don't get in Canada, although most Hulu shows are grouped in with Disney plus here in Canada. I don't have this on Disney plus. I want home improvement on Disney plus. I'm getting angry, What I want for Christmas. I got one thing on my list this year. I want home improvement on Disney plus. Do you, do you have Hulu? Is that how you've been watching this show? Do you know if it's available anywhere else in America?
2: Uh, no helpful commentary.
1: <laughs> so you watch this legally uh, in quotes. <laughs> That's what we're saying. <laughs>
2: There was an episode and I watched it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I have all the DVDs, so I've been watching the DVDs. uh, So I'm doing it legally. At least one of us does it legally here. Uh, So jumping into the episode here. uh, So Tim's basically being given uh, new rules for the Christmas decorating competition. And unlike a lot of these other ones, we're not starting with tool time. Tool time kind of comes in the middle of this. Uh, But I do like that, especially after last week's episode, which I love last week's episode. But this one, you know immediately this is right around Christmas because you get the Christmas decorating and they're basically saying, okay, so there's new rules. Uh, you cannot exceed energy consumption and, and good taste here by known as the Tim Taylor clause, which kind of comes after Tim says, you know, why would you say that they're doing this just because of me? It was like, well, this will f- from now on be known as the Tim Taylor clause. Uh, and they're saying some of the other rules, one, your nativity scene can only have characters from the Bible. Uh, he mentions I had three wise men last year and they say, no, you have three stooges last year. Uh, and then the, the best line of this uh, opening sequence here is where it says, this one's ridiculous. Elves can stand no longer than three feet tall. What kind of elf is only three feet tall? That, that one gave me a good laugh. Uh, also, Jill is uh, making a special Christmas cake which uh, I, 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 this is the one part I always do remember of this episode. I, I remember nothing else. I don't even remember the decorating part, which is usually what I wouldn't remember, but I always remember this Christmas cake bit where she keeps saying, Oh yeah, I'm making a Christmas cake. It's got mangoes in it. It's got papaya. It's got pineapple. And Tim's like, so you're making a fruit cake. No, it's not a fruit cake. Uh, He has one line here, which uh, I thought was uh, kind of funny where it says you say kibosh. I say pish tosh or something like that. Uh, and, uh, he's going to, I guess, strike a deal with Wilson so that Wilson loans him his energy allotment and his, I don't know whether it comes down to how much space you can occupy and all that. So he's combining forces with Wilson and Jill kind of asks like, Oh, I'm, I'm surprised Wilson would do this. Like, did he, what did he think when they sent that flyer out? And you just see Tim crumple it up. He's like, no, nothing. <laughs> that that was really good. Um, and Jill's basically saying her mom's going to be coming for Christmas. It's the first one since her dad died. Now, before the end of this episode, I actually want to find which one her dad died on, because that is a fantastic episode. Um, But uh, I feel like it was maybe in the previous season. uh, But uh, I might be wrong on this, but it's kind of a point of this episode that It hasn't been that long. Jill's basically like, oh, this is the first one. dad died. I got this present, uh, which is, um, you know, a picture from their wedding that's blown up. uh, And um, she's worried that her mom's going to be depressed. uh, And uh, they kind of have this debate about whether or not the dad ever smiled because like, oh, in this picture, they touched it up. It actually looks like your dad's smiling. Uh, and, uh, he says, I-, I thought you told me he never smiled at your, at their wedding. And Jill says, no, he never smiled at our wedding, which is another good line. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, th- there's, uh, Tim revealing his, uh, Frankenstein, uh, with frankincense. There's a lot of the things here. This is basically going to be the-, the graphic that people are going to see, uh, when we put up the episode here, the background, the Frankenstein with frankincense and everything. Uh, and, uh, when Jill's mom, arrives uh they're basically after the the kids pick them up so th- we're definitely no we're we're in the later seasons here because Brad can drive he has a license uh and she's saying oh yeah uh Brad wasn't nearly as scary as last time Tim drove me i didn't know that detroit actually had stop signs which is a fantastic line and he's like oh those little octagonal things which is going to be most of the bloopers on the end of this episode uh and she basically drops the bombshell here as Jill's trying to give her the gift that she's met a man and she wants the man to come for Christmas, which is very awkward. And this is what I really do love about this episode that, that maybe when I do look back at every year, when I look at this episode, it's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Season seven. That's the one with Jill's mom and the new guy. I kind of feel like this is going to be some of that bad drama where it's just a obnoxious middle-aged woman, but you immediately see it from a point of view because she's not shooting down her mom right away. Uh, and I, I also like, just before we break here, um, the, uh, the thing with uh the her telling the story about how she met this man parker uh at a 50s night and uh did you catch the name of the restaurant that they met at
2: no what was the
1: karaoke pete's tandoori kitchen which is just a fantastic combination of uh different uh foods uh and uh, genres of music and everything Uh, and Jill doesn't want to give her the present now that she knows, Oh, she's seeing another guy because, Hey, that's awkward. Oh, sorry. I got the wrong present. I'll give it to you later. Tim comes out with a partridge in a pear tree, which is Keith Partridge's face and a pear tree, which you can also see in the background, our graphic. Uh, and, um, uh, she's basically talking about uh, bringing a date for Christmas. And Tim kind of jokes, oh, maybe you could put the date in your, your Christmas cake or whatever. And uh, he has his typical insensitive comment where, <laughs> as she's getting upset, uh, he says, Oh, don't get mad at me. Uh, my mom, it's easy. My mom's not shacking, or he's not shacking up with my mom. That's what it was. Um, yeah. So Tim, as usual, being very insensitive. But uh quite a bit of stuff in the opening sequences here i mean we haven't even had a tool time sequence so i guess they can cram a little bit more in there but maybe surprising myself that i didn't actually hate this family drama stuff i just i don't necessarily feel like anything here is laugh out loud funny outside of maybe you know karaoke pete's tandoori kitchen
2: yeah some of it was it was like a weird i didn't know where to start first of all the like i'm only really watching the um Christmas episodes at this point,
0: so we jump
2: a lot of time. Yeah. So when they, the kids were in the first scene, and I was like, "Whoa,
1: puberty's come
2: (laughs) like so quickly." They weren't in. I mean, they weren't in this episode. Mm -hmm. They were hardly in the last one. Yeah, the Christmas ones. So when you see them, it's like, "Whoa!" Like we're at the point where the youngest brother is like now the tallest, and Mm -hmm. like it's just it was such a shock. Um. Yeah, some of the jokes really didn't land. I, I like a three-foot elf and like I don't know. It just it wasn't like Bible-only characters. I don't know. It was like just a step up above those jokes in the home where it was like Holy calamari night or whatever it was. Yeah, like, it was just like a better version of that, which was fine. It was fine. I I didn't think anything of it, but that was really the only like kids sequence in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So it was that. Like, cause I want like I get that like. Maybe they're not the best actors or whatever, but I want them, you know? Yeah. Like you want the family stuff. So, and then, uh, other thing that I noted was they rearranged the intro
1: and yeah, they, uh, put JTT
2: as the and credit.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's like, wow, he's really stepped up to this point. Like he's a big deal.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Cause like, and credits are like huge. So I noticed that, um, I love the bit of the fruitcake. I thought that was such a funny <laughs> little thing. Um, and so much so that she's like convincing herself that it's not a fruitcake. Uh, she's like, it's a cake with fruit. Um, no one asked for fruitcake, right? Like, <laughs> so why bother? You're just wasting no, your time.
1: I, I wanted to ask, like, are you completely opposed to fruitcake or are you? I mean,
2: I've never had it. So I have no idea. Never. But even if it's like good or like, you know, bad or whatever, like. No one's ever asking for it, regardless of what they think of it. So why are they even bothering? You know, like just save your like foods and time. Like, don't do it. That's just, uh, that's just my take.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember as a kid, one Christmas, somebody gave us a fruitcake and I ate it. I absolutely loved it. Like when I was a kid, I was devouring it and asking for more and more, but it's one of these things that I probably didn't have for years. And then maybe when I was a teenager, I tried it again. I'm like, Oh, this is okay. Like, like I, I'm, I'm not going to gag it up if I have it, but I'm not going to go out of my way to, to, to ask for it or whatever. Um, with, uh, uh, a couple of things here, one with the and thing for Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like, I mean, nowadays TV is so different because, you don't really have opening credits, so you don't notice these things as much. Uh, most people probably don't even pay attention because credits now literally just roll as the is already going on. People don't even pay attention, but like that and, and then the last name is a big deal. That's basically wh- what it really comes down to is it, it either means one of two things. It either means, oh, this person's a big enough star. We don't just want their name grouped in with everybody else, or it means they're probably receiving a lot more money than most of the cast members at this point. And because they're not the star of the show, they're like, well, but I get a special and credit. Uh, so, so I'm going to assume it's basically a combination of the both. I mean, Jonathan Taylor Thomas must've been making more money than the other two kids at this point in the show, because it, it's not just like, okay, he had the Lion King and he had a couple movies. I mean, even just on home improvement, he was so much of a bigger star and everybody knew who he was. Uh, but th- that obviously shows what a big deal it was. Uh, and don't be disappointed. You're going to get good stuff with the kids next week. Uh, so we will get there.
2: That's why I'm hosting
1: Um, a couple of corrections as well. So I thought it was around the same time that like Tim uh, had his mom dating uh, his shops teacher that actually happened all the way back in season five, I believe Uh, now Tim's dad had died, you know, when he was a kid still. So it wasn't the same storyline as, but they home improvement had already gone in this direction where they had a parent dating somebody. And then, Oh, this is kind of awkward. Um, and Jill's dad had died in the second last episode of season six. So we're probably about six months removed from when Jill's dad died, which that's an episode, which I'm not saying we're ever going to cover it, but it's a very interesting episode because there are elements of that episode that I love because they handle the drama so well. And then elements of that episode that just make me want to spit on my TV because it's like, Oh, come on. Like, this is so bad. You could write this better than this. Uh, but maybe that's for another time. Um, The first time, this I found really weird. The first time we're introduced to Parker, it's not like he comes in and everybody, hey, everybody, this is Parker. Uh, He's on the That was
2: awful. It was, was yeah.
1: That There has to be a deleted scene somewhere because it really makes no sense that you've built up this character. You basically spent two scenes talking about this character, the entire storyline, the episode's about this character, and then he appears for the first time, not even on screen, like... Tim's already on the roof and he's basically reading the rules and they just cut to a shot of this random guy. You are like, Oh, I guess that must be the guy there. But uh, I'm not even going to bother to ask you this because I mean, I even, even I don't recognize this guy, but I mean, it looks like he's done quite a few things. Um, one thing uh, I thought you might've said you were a fan of this, uh, the, the TV show Archer. Did you say you were into Archer or is that somebody else I'm thinking of?
2: Um, maybe someone else. I mean, I know, the voice actors of Archer. Like I may have mentioned like, cause the, isn't the guy from Bob's burgers, the voice of Archer or something like that.
1: Yeah. uh, Like it has a pretty big cast. Um, Yes.
2: I know some of the voice actors probably from that. Maybe mm -hmm. I haven't watched the show.
1: Like I've, I've never seen Archer, but uh, he's done 22 episodes of the voice of Woodhouse. Uh, who looks like it's a fairly reoccurring character, but I mean, this guy basically just appears. He does a lot of voice work. He also does a lot of guest shots on TV. But he's an Academy Award nominee, uh, n- not for some like not like some old school actor, but uh, he he did have roles in major movies, I guess, in the '70s and '80s and everything. But he won or, or was nominated for an Academy Award for uh, directing a short film in 1968 called The Dove. Uh, so. I don't know whether this was considered a big deal. This guy, George Co. at the time, but um, you know, I, I I he's got something. He's he's an entertaining old guy. Uh, I wouldn't have mind seeing a little bit more of him, especially they give proper introduction. But he basically noticed this technicality as Tibbs complaining about all the restrictions they place on him. He says, Oh, it doesn't say anything here about voltage. I don't know enough about electricity to know anything about voltage or amps or anything like that. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I know just enough that I had to change out a light switch in my house, which took a week and a half because I kept buying the wrong switch and then I had the wrong cover for it. So definitely not an electrician. Uh, but, uh, we get, uh, a a little bit, uh, I guess as him and Tim are bonding. We get a little bit more of like the Parker backstory with, uh, Jill and her mom. And she's talking about, oh, yeah, we we really like to go dancing. And Jill's like, oh, but you hate dancing. He goes, no, your father hated dancing. And this is one of those moments I feel like I actually kind of feel for Jill's character. And I get a little bit more of like the drama of this episode is being relatable because for her, it's not, oh, you've got a new boyfriend. It's what she's going to make a point of this episode. Is it feels like you know Jill's mom's replacing her dad. And you could kind of get that, at least from Jill's perspective here. That she's basically saying, oh, these are all the things I love about him. And Jill's basically saying, well, those are all the things you you didn't do with dad or dad didn't like. Are you basically saying you weren't happy with dad? Um, well, the good did- thing
2: about the like whole sequence or the way they set it up is that we're in her shoes in the sense that we only see the mm-hmm. mother in this episode. Yeah. Or I mean, or at least we're getting the snapshot of their relationship in this episode. So we understand her emotions,
1: mm-hmm. like whether or not you're
2: like, oh, I agree or I disagree or whatever, you know you have your own takes on it, but like, we understand her emotions because we're, we're essentially seeing it for the first time as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, I also, I found it very interesting comparing this um, with Jill's mom, like as a character to the other Christmas episode, because these scenes with Jill are very consistent, but, there's a lot more maturity to them. Like in the last one, it was basically her complaining about her husband the whole time. And But you see the same consistency with Jill's mom's character where she has a tendency to share a lot, to ramble a lot, but maybe not necessarily be tuned into how Jill's feeling, uh, which they don't go out of their way to address in this, but it just feels very real. Like if you, I, I like that there's this character that's maybe appeared in three maximum. I'm, I'm trying to think. She appeared once before the Christmas episode the Christmas, the previous Christmas episode, I think that she was in the episode where Jill's dad died, and then this one. So she's four episodes in seven seasons. And yet there's they're consistent enough either through the writing or through the actress performance that she's doing the same type of thing here. It's just it's a different point of view that she has and maybe a little bit more maturity this time. Uh there is total awkwardness though where she's talking about uh, oh yeah we went to Austin uh you know oh that was a long drive oh we made a weekend out of it which you're like now Jill's got a picture her mom having sex with another guy. Um and uh Parker comes in he's talking about all the ideas and says oh yeah and then uh, uh we had the, Tim had the idea to use the motor from your dishwasher, from your dryer. Yeah. From the dryer uh, for one of the decorations up there. And then she's like, so uh, why are you taking another dryer? He goes, oh, this is, this is a good thing for you. Now you won't have to do the laundry till the new year. Um, Jill's mom and Parker are going to go off to dinner and they just disappear for a while. Uh, so we get uh, Jill, once they're gone, getting angry and she throws something at Keith Partridge's head on the partridge in a pear tree and knocks it right off. Uh, Tim's basically saying, what did Keith Partridge uh, do to you? He's not the one dating your mother. Again, more Tim insensitivity, which he's so good at doing. Uh, And Jill uh, talked about the dancing thing and says, I can see the two of them now just dosy doing around naked. And Tim, (laughs) of course, has to fit it in there. He's like, gives new meaning to grab your partner. Uh, And um, Tim's basically had had invited Parker to go to tool time, which another thing where I'm like, did they just delete scenes from this episode? Because this is a major part of the episode. He invited and Parker was excited to come see Tool Time. We'll get a Tool Time segment. Parker is never there. Like, I don't really understand why this character is in so little of this episode. Uh, but uh, Jill's upset because, you know, you never invited my dad to Tool Time. And he says, your dad would never go to Tool Time. He said that he'd rather watch a test pattern or something like that. Uh, and there's a plot hole here, which uh, I you probably didn't pick up, but she Jill is basically saying you never took any of my dad's suggestions about your Christmas lights. And Tim validates that. He said, yes, because your dad you, doesn't give suggestions. He gives orders, but it was in the episode where Jill's parents came to visit where Jill's dad ended up helping Tim with the lights and fine. You can say, well, he didn't take suggestions, but then the big reveal for the lights in that episode was they used camouflage. And Tim says that was the dad's idea and he's happy about it. So This a little bit of a uh, a plot hole here. Uh, The second plot hole in the episode is that uh, Jill refers to her parents as having been married for 50 years. But also in the previous episode, which was three seasons prior, so three years ago, uh, probably the funniest line in that episode, as far as I'm concerned, is where Jill's basically saying, my parents seem really unhappy. And Tim says, of course, they're unhappy. They've been married for 42 years. Uh, so apparently they gained an extra couple of years from there somewhere because they went from 42 to 50. Uh, but uh, well, I mean, you
2: could chalk that up to like exaggeration. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. But I mean, I, I feel like you should at least say close to 50 years or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. Fair They're enough. very specific on 50 here.
2: Uh, 51 like, and a half.
1: Years. <laughs> if they got gotten that specific, I'd be very angry. I'd be boycotting Christmas. Um, Tim also has another Two one. Two months
2: this. and six days. <laughs>
1: But uh, there's also another line here, which uh, another one of my favorite lines from the Brad going skiing episode, the Christmas is not about being with people you like. It's about being with your family. They basically have a call back to that. uh, And Jill's basically saying, I think I need to talk to my mom and tell her how I feel about her dating. And Tim says, Christmas time is no time to tell people how you feel. Uh, great line. Yeah. Uh, we, we get tool time segment here where they're looking at the stocking stuffers, which they did in a previous one as well. Uh, they, they are going through this uh, noise machine or whatever. Uh, what is the exact call? It's a Binford 6,100 sleep enhancer. Now uh, something that a little thing that people probably don't pick up on in home improvement is that Anytime they talk about a Bimford tool, it's always the number 6,100. So that's just something that I picked up on after, I don't know how many years of watching the show. Uh, Maybe when it was in reruns and I'd watch it like two times a day. And then the next day, say two times a day, I'm like, it's always 5,100, 6,100 or or whatever. Uh, But this is the Bimford 6,100 sleep enhancer. And Al's basically saying, oh, you can hear the sounds of a forest breeze or uh, a rushing river. And Tim's like, no, I'm thinking this. And he plays the IndyCar. car. Uh, he's going off to get the little red wagon that he souped up. And this is when Heidi and Al get really, they're only part of the whole episode where they're demonstrating the the tool time video collection. Now this is something that is like, it is so corny that I should be groaning kind of like the, the deck, the halls with calamari last week, but I actually really love some of these videos where they're like silence of the lamps, um, glueless, uh, the nutty compressor is great because they have the shot of Tim as the nutty professor on the front, which was hilarious. It, it's it's really dumb, but it kind of makes me laugh. This red wagon reveal also was kind of weird to me because Tim basically comes in with a giant red wagon and they have like the thing on the side that says Toys for Tots, which is a real charity. So I almost feel like this again was supposed to be a bigger part of the episode because usually when you get a reveal like this, he brings it out and then you'll have maybe Al groaning and he's like, oh, Tim, why'd you have to soup up a little red wagon? Tim has like oh, oh, some type of grunt. Uh, or it goes disastrous, and they literally reveal this thing. Everybody laughs because of the size of this giant red wagon, and then they cut away from it. So there's a lot of weird cuts in this. Um, I guess I'll, I'll quickly talk about the Wilson scene here too. Uh, Jill uh, is meeting up with Wilson, giving her her Christmas cake, uh, where she finally admits, "Okay, fine, it's a fruit cake." And um, he's blacking out his windows uh, because Tim's putting the lights on the house. And uh, there's uh, Jill, I guess one of the best parts here after the lights turn on where Wilson says, don't look directly at the Jesus. (laughs) Uh, And she's explaining what she did. Oh yeah. I'm throwing baked goods at Keith Partridge. And uh, what do you think Wilson? She's basically saying like, what do you think of the situation? My mom. He goes, well, he's no Greg Brady. Like that was a fantastic line. I, I laughed really hard at that one. Even still. Uh, and he's basically saying to Jill, all you need to do with your mom is just approach her in a very sensitive, tactful way. And that's where Tim says, Wilson, check this out. And he turns on his Santo, which basically is a roller coaster that runs off of his house around Wilson's house. And that's when Wilson, after telling Jill, approach her in a sensitive, tactful way. He says, keep your freaking set out of my yard, uh, which we rarely get to see Wilson like that. As much as this episode is just everybody sort of on autopilot and things we've seen before, the Wilson scene to me is like one of the best scenes in this episode, partly because, it's not very often you get Wilson giving these pep talks to other people. A couple of times he'll give them to the kids. Every once in a blue moon, it's Jill, but it's usually Tim. And this one's a little bit different. And we get to see Wilson with a little bit of rage, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, uh, there was some stuff in here that I really liked. I, lo- I love uh, that you you mentioned. I don't know if you mentioned this before, but the the he's not shacking up with my mom. is such yeah. a great <laughs> that, that I would have made that my quote, but it's just not conducive for the
1: and it's I'm a hard like, one to work in yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: um that was great and then, and then, like i i j- chimed in earlier but that introduction of parker was so underwhelming
1: mm-hmm.
2: like he was just there um and you expect that was like the big tension like oh a new man's come in like yeah and he's like already on the ladder giving advice it, it just didn't it didn't work too well and like you said he was not in the episode
1: Mm-hmm. You know, for he's, the home wrecker that gone. he's
2: supposed he's supposed to be a home wrecker, and he's literally not in the home.
1: Yeah, uh, and and we never see him again after that quick exit where they go out dancing or whatever.
2: Yeah, they didn't want to pay him, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> their budget was cut or whatever. Um, yeah, but some of, some of it was like rough that that whole thing of him not being there and then him going to the show. I think like, the idea of him like already ing- like ingratiating himself with Tim and everything, like I get. Just like there was no execution of it,
1: mm-hmm. like you kind of mentioned, you know. Okay, Parker's supposed to be the home wrecker, and I think there was a way to do this episode where y- you could have him be kind of a bit of a home wrecker, or you could just do this episode the exact same way, but maybe make Jill a little bit more of a character you can empathize with, which is which is kind of like the way, the way that the season four one was done with her parents, where you almost see it more from Jill's point of view. You're like, man, I'm kind of annoyed listening to their parents argue as well, uh, but. I think what works about this, and tell me if you agree, is the fact that Parker's instantly just a nice guy and Tim likes him and everybody likes him. And Jill has no reason to dislike him. But yet at the same time, she's not being completely nuts and, and you know, out of her mind and, and irrational. Like I, I feel like everything with this character is handled well other than the fact that you don't see him.
2: Well, when I say homewrecker, I mean like um he's he that's how his like villain archetype is to everyone. Like that's who he's supposed to be. And obviously, you know, even in real life, like not necessarily true of like, this is this person who's going to ruin everything.
1: Mm.
2: So, uh, but we, we immediately get this impression that he's the great guy, you know, and like Jill's such having having like two to have a time. Like it seems like everyone else got on board except for her. Mm-hmm. Granted, there are only two people that really need to get on board. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 it's just complicated that they, they ch- chose not to show him. Mm-hmm. Until, like, you know, or his presence was minimized or whatever. I don't know. It, it, it's unfortunate because he should be the star of the episode. And, like, you don't even get one moment where, like, he just has a conversation with Jill.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like, I think this episode probably needed that. I, and maybe it was just the decision of how they told the story because she never has a problem with Parker. Like even she, she says to her mom, it's not about him. I just, I, I feel uncomfortable about this because of, you, know, you feel like he's replacing dad. Um, but I think you could still do this where Jill is maybe having to have a, have an awkward conversation where the mom leaves the room and Tim leaves the room at the same time. And she's just like, so, and he's like, hi. It's like my mom, huh? Yeah. Things going well. Great. Like just have both of them be a little bit uncomfortable. That would have made this for to be a little bit different and set it apart from a lot of other episodes, but I, I still yeah, I,
2: could have offered fruitcake.
1: Yeah, exactly. Hey, how great would that been? If if you end this episode with him being the one person that's like, Oh, it's a Christmas cake. I love these. And he doesn't refer to it as a fruitcake. Oh, miss the boat. I there. I forget
2: what the um, setup was, but there's this scene in the golden girls where they're eating like a cake or something. And, and, and Dorothy goes, I've never had a whatever cake that was just so moist. And then the, the guy that's there is like, yes, it was moist. And then Rose says, the moistest. And then Sophia <laughs> ends it with, I thought my tea was quite moist too. And everyone looks at her. She's like, well, I can't be uncomfortable too. And like, that's yeah. kind of what this like scene needed. That sort of like acknowledgement of, yeah, this is a little weird, but we'll get mm-hmm. through it. Like,
1: there's yeah, none like of- Put some awkwardness into the episode.
2: Yeah. And I guess it would have made a little bit more meaning behind the conversation she does have with her mother at the end of the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that conversation is good. And I feel like if, if there's one thing that really works in this episode, it is this next scene here where she's talking with her mom and, and Jill's because again, Jill's not being irrational in any way. She's, she's basically saying, I have no problem with him. It just, this is the way it feels to me. She's not even saying, Oh, this is the way it is. It's not like, Oh, you just weren't happy with dad. Like you do that and this becomes traditional sitcom, you know, bad melodrama, but she's basically saying, listen, I may be completely off base here without saying the word. She's basically, I may be completely off base here, but this is how I feel about it. And then you get Jill's mom breaking down instead of Jill. And she has a bit of a cry here. And she's basically saying, you know, I, uh, turned Parker down for weeks. Like it, it was basically a thing where he asked me out and then I kept saying, no, 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 because I couldn't picture myself doing this. Uh, and, She's basically saying how unhappy she is. And then Jill has one of the best lines in this episode, too, where she starts crying. She says, you have no idea how happy that makes me. Basically, her mother being unhappy makes her happy. Uh, But again, you get the entire point of it. Uh, Then they have kind of a nice moment here where they're talking about uh, dad a little bit and saying, oh, remember how every Christmas he'd make us those apple pancakes? Have you ever had apple pancakes? No. No. They're amazing. I I would barely call it apple. It's basically like apple pie in a pancake. <laughs> it's part, it's giant chunks of like cooked apple, but yeah, it's amazing. There's one restaurant here that makes it, basically the only gluten-free pancake they make outside of just regular standard out of the box ones. Whenever we go there for breakfast, I'll get it because they have this massive apple pancake, but uh, they're basically talking about feeding it to the dog or whatever uh, <laughs> because it was so bad. And then Jill says, uh, oh yeah, it's good to know that he passed along his cooking skills to me, which uh, I, I don't think in the Christmas episode we covered, but I mean, I'm sure you're, you've seen enough home improvement. This is one of the most common gags with Jill being a terrible cook, right?
2: Vaguely. None, it's nothing's immediately standing out, but yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the only one that's ever mentioned in one of these Christmas episodes weird because Christmas revolves so much around food. Um, although I think, no, there was another one, but I think they were talking about the, they were talking about like using somebody's, uh, stuffing recipe, but it sounded like oyster pecan stuffing or something like that. Uh, so she finally lets her open the present and the mother of course loves it because it's now she, we know, and the audience knows that, uh, you know, she was very happy with her husband. Um, and they're talking about his wardrobe. And this is where it gets like totally awkward here where he's wearing a sword, I guess, from his military cause he was in the military and he's got a sword in his outfit and uh, the, the grandma, the grandma hero, Jill's mom is basically talking about what they used the the sword to cut off. And he goes, no, that's what he cut off my dress with. And even I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> I don't know if I need to hear that. Uh, we get the reveal of the Christmas lights again. Why is Parker not even, it's almost like they hired an actor who, again, he's not famous, famous, but he is somebody who has a lot of experience a guy who probably does a lot of guest spots on TV shows and is an Oscar winner. And they shot one scene with him that he got called away in an emergency. Like, I don't know, his appendix explode or something. And they literally had a place for him in like three or four other scenes that he didn't appear in. Cause yeah, he should be here because it, it's partly his lighting display that he helped put together. Um, I will say this is one of the better Tim lighting displays they've had. Uh, we don't really get a reveal of the one that the kids did. We got none last year. Uh, so probably I'm oh, getting tired here and too lazy to edit it out. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. This is probably the first time we've really had a reveal of the Christmas lights since season four where they did the camouflage and Tim cut a hole in the roof. But uh yeah, you we already had though the, the big reveal of the roller coaster. So this is one of the things I always forget in the episode how this ends. So I was thinking to myself, like, why are they, why did they reveal the roller coaster Santa thing earlier if that's the big reveal? And then you basically hear the thing go flying and a car alarm go off. Uh, and this is one of the few lines that the kids get in the episode where uh, they come back and they're basically saying, like, Santa just bounced off three different cards. And Tim's like, oh, but what do the judges think of the lights? I don't know. I'll tell you when he regains consciousness. Um, I, I wish that the post credit scene here had maybe been a Christmas dinner. So you could have shown everybody be happy again and maybe have Parker back, but possibly he did have his a pet explode. I don't know. Um, but uh, instead we get basically more tool time stuff here, which this one to me was one step too far. I liked the corniness of the other ones. I will say the line, look who's caulking is funny but then showing the video where it's just babies and Tim and Al talking over them. Like, this is way too corny for me. Uh, we also get a bunch of bloopers about the, the grandma talking about the stop signs in Detroit. Bloopers. The, 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 oh, Tim not, not pronouncing octagonal the, the way that he Tim Allen, it
2: Perfect though. And then it was yeah. like, wait, what?
1: Like one time he calls it octagonal one time he calls it octagonal, but yeah, the, the, the one time he, where he, he gets it right. And he basically says, Those are those red things, right? He goes, I scared myself with that word. Like he has great ways of playing off bloopers. Uh, But um,
2: I even went back to the episode to see what the line was and he switched it to round. Oh,
1: So he he was he was like, I I keep screwing up this word, even though he wasn't screwing up the word. So he said, please let me change it.
2: He changed it to it's round in the final (laughs) cut.
1: There's uh yeah, there's another episode that reminds me of where it's one blooper over and over again is Tim can't say the word culottes, you know, like short pants. Uh, that one though, basically, I think in the end of the episode, they ended up changing. If you go back and watch that episode, they changed the line just because he couldn't get out with a straight face. Um, but I don't know. The, I, I just, I, I don't think we needed to end on look who's caulking, especially in the episode that, as you pointed out that maybe I didn't think about just because we're watching this back to back with last week, doesn't have as much Christmas in it as maybe it could, especially since it's taking a place around Christmas. But, um, the Jill scene with her mom kind of does make the episode, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, no, it was, that was very good scene. Uh, some of the things that I just want to talk about that I missed. Um, that partridge joke does not land if you don't know the visual. Like I didn't get yeah. that. Um, and then he mentioned it later, and I was like, okay, but I still don't know. They don't even mention the name. Mm-hmm. They're like a partridge in a pear tree. Get it? Yeah.
1: And like, okay. You have to be in 1997 to get that joke. Probably. Yeah. Well, but- I mean, really, you have to be in 1977, but if you have enough, like I, I can remember my mom when the Partridge family or the Brady bunch were airing in reruns, my mom would be like, Oh, I used to love this show and put it on. It was never something that I got into, but yeah, I could imagine without having even your parents having ever watched this, it, it really wouldn't go over well now.
2: Well, one thing that's like, I watched the golden girls, all of it. And they mentioned there's a lot of references in that, yeah. but at least they like verbalize some of it or they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Cary Grant or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know who Greg is, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I could understand. I'll look it up. I can't look up guy on face partridge. Like, you know, there's no, there's no verbal. So, like, it, you just don't understand unless you you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was a little rough. So, it, like, took a little bit out for me. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is I talked about Tool Time being an unbelievable show because it was live last mm-hmm. episode. I find it even less believable now that they're Binford the like company is now like okay we're gonna sell parody dvds of tool time where we have fake characters yeah like babies or whatever as models like it is so unbelievable that they're even so successful that they can sell this kind of stuff mm-hmm. like it is un- it is wildly unbelievable and especially like they go through the effort of making like there's no way there's no way
1: like I, I I'll i say, I completely agree with you. Although the show does build tool time up over the seasons. I think it was either in season six or season seven, they basically struck a deal to have tool time um, distributed somewhere in Europe. I, I can't remember if it was like Finland or Sweden or one of the Scandinavian countries. Uh, so it is something where they have built up, Oh, the show's getting bigger. And the end of the series is really about the fact the show's about to go national and whether or not Tim's going to do it. But to be perfectly honest, I don't like, like, I always found it. That's too much of a stretch because you don't see the show change and you don't see, they never make it where you, you can't abandon that joke of it is a third rate cable tool show. You know, that is so much of what tool time is in this home improvement universe that even though they do build like a, a growing success of tool time to me, it's never believable. So I, I will completely agree with you on that.
2: I mean, obviously the stunts get bigger and obviously then there's more crazy antics and stuff, but it's just like, there's no, like, <laughs> there's no situation where any show ever like has this kind of treatment. Yeah. Like at most it's a Twitter video or someone <laughs> got, got, got went like viral, you know, <laughs> like that's about it. So it, that, that was just like another, I was like, oh, can I just make this not as <laughs> like more believable please? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, the whole sequence with Jill and her, that was like such a great scene. And it was the best thing I liked most about it was that it towed the line between serious and also jokey, like the point where mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'm so happy. And it's like, "Yeah, I didn't mean that, you know, like that <sighs> awkwardness, but also like funny, but also tender, like it was great.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the one thing that threw me in this scene is that they're setting up like, oh, good morning, I'm having coffee, you having coffee? Um, they're using like those little bags of sugar and I'm like, well, wouldn't they have like a bowl of sugar at home? Like, don't you, do you have a bowl of sugar at home?
1: We don't. Well, we we have like, um, I, I mean, like, like bins that have lids on them. You'll have one for flour and one for sugar. We have those.
2: Yeah. But you have like a big source of it. Yeah. You're not ripping the little diner packets. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they were doing. I
1: mean, how you, you don't buy those at, you know a, I don't know, a grocery store either. I mean, the only way you're going to have those is by swiping them from a diner
2: true, but it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really all I have.
1: <laughs> I, I have one quick uh, uh, thing. Here, so. Well, first one quick thing on last week's episode. Um, well, I didn't even talk about this, but I had in my notes, uh, but somehow I missed it. Remember last week where Jill's like, oh, I had to move eight times or whatever. That, that line always bothers me just because I had to move. Like, I don't know how many times, how many times in your life, you have to count how many times in your life, had we're talking up to you becoming an adult how many times did you have to move
2: to, once
1: once ever see I moved I'm trying to think here let me count uh from my birth until I became an adult one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven, 11 times in what is that up till age 18, 11 times in 18 years is how many times I move. So I, I just wanted to say, Jill, stop crying. You have nothing to complain about. Uh, but, but uh, the second thing on this one, just, uh, I don't even know if it's a funny story or not, uh, but um, the, uh, the, the, the look who's caulking or whatever. Like I always get a laugh when I see the word caulking, like C-A-U-L-K-I-N-G. Uh, Cause there was a job I was working. I was working uh, as a carpet cleaning job once. And, uh, uh, I was working with this guy who was talking to the customer and everything. And basically, a person had white caulking that was stuck in their carpets. And he was trying to explain, you can't get this out. You have to write on the invoice. So he writes on the invoice, um, white caulking mess left in carpet. And he spelt it C O C K I N G. And I pointed the invoice. I'm like, you spelt this. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, like caulking, it's like white caulking from a gun. Yeah. I'm like, so it's spelled differently. And he's like, how's it spelled? C-A-U-L-K-I-N-G. And he goes, okay, so? I'm like, when you spell it C-O-C-K and you're putting a white, wet substance stuck in a carpet, kind of means something else. And he just looks at it and goes, oh, let me get another invoice. (laughs) uh, I I just, whenever I see the word caulking, I always remember uh, a guy kind of implying that somebody maybe ejaculated on a carpet. Uh, But anyways, um, we're going to rank these here. We're getting very close to the end here. And again, just uh, invitation, Rossi, if you wanted to uh, join me, I'm going to be ranking uh, on uh, my little website, my little rankings website. I'm going to be ranking all the Home for Christmas episodes. You want to throw a couple comments in there? Feel free to throw it in there. If not, we're just going to update people by the end of next week as well. But uh, I'm very curious to hear whether you're going to buy this, rent it, or bin it. But even more curious, where you're going to rank it because, like you said, there's issues with this episode. Yet you said you're probably going to rank it higher than some other ones that might have been a little bit funnier. So, what are you going to do with it?
2: I would probably rent this one. I haven't. I think I only bought the one. Um. Or i think did i buy the no, you, house
1: you, i think you bought i don't know if you bought the first one you definitely bought season three yeah. uh yeah i think you, you did buy the the moving one last week yeah
2: yeah i think i'm gonna rent this one um which tracks on my rankings so
1: so i have bought every episode so far if, and oh, I said, except
2: the charity i don't think you bought that one
1: i, I may not have bought that one um but uh, this one, to me, this is an easy rent. Like I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, it also, for my rankings, as as much as I hate to say it, because I think you definitely helped point out a lot of issues with the the stealing from charity episode. I think I laughed a lot more on that one, and it's at least an original story. Whereas everything here is kind of recycled. Um, and so it's you're probably putting it last. I'm putting this last. Although I will say, I probably have an easier time watching this one. But it's maybe there's not a lot of laughs in this one. And there's not a lot of downer moments either. I mean, we've gone through at least two Christmas specials that are kind of downers to watch. But I think there are at least a lot of funny lines in the charity one. And it's more of an original story. If, If this maybe had just been going through season seven episodes, I might have leaned a little bit closer to a buy on this one or ranked it a little bit higher, but I think going through, we've gone through seven Christmas episodes and this is primarily rehashing what was just on three years earlier. It drops it down a little bit for me. So this will be bottom for me.
2: So you have, as, uh, as it stands for a recap for you and everyone, Mm -hmm. you have season three, which is the church, Noel, Leon, uh, Leon. Um,
1: I always laugh when you bring that one up.
2: (laughs) Um, Then you have season four, which is Jill's parents. Yeah. Then you have season five, the flight. Mm-hmm. Season six, moving house. Season one, Santa's dead. Season two, charity steal. And then finally, season seven, Jill's mom is dating. Yeah. Which whew, we're going to get interesting results when I say mine. You're not going to um, say
1: number one.
2: <laughs> no, obviously nothing is beating Leon. <laughs> so for me, I have number one, I have the church, the Leon. Then I have six, moving house. Then I have the flight at three. Good. Then I add Jill's mom's dating at fourth. Um, then I have Santa's dead, Jill's parents, and charity.
1: Fair enough. Um, I can definitely. I, I think I could definitely predict where you're going to go next week, uh, oh. based on what your res- I'll say based on what your reservations are not. Uh, for me, next week's going to be interesting because. Uh, I think there's some fantastic stuff in this episode. This is the one Jonathan Taylor Thomas left in the third episode of season eight. The 11th episode, which is the final Christmas special we're going to be covering next week, uh, which I think is called Home for the Holidays, is the one he came back. So he's basically gone for two months and he comes back. But this is the last time he comes back because he doesn't appear for the finale. So this is really Jonathan Taylor Thomas's final episode. And that part of it is handled so well um but there's some other reservations i've had about some other episodes here which will continue for me next week um i I definitely remember everything about this one it's not going to be this week's where i I forget half of it until i watch it again but uh it's one where i'm not quite sure where i'm going to rank it it might be close to the bottom it could be in the middle or could end up close to the top i don't know but uh yeah i I think i already have a prediction where i'm not going to say what it is but i kind of have a prediction where i think this one might land for you.
2: Okay. I'm excited.
1: And and you get a lot with the kids. And uh, the one thing I want to say that's interesting is I feel like season six and seven is where the kids, like we saw in the last two Christmas episodes, they get lost in the shuffle because they're not really kids anymore. They're getting older and they didn't quite know what to do with them. And I feel like throughout season seven, especially in season eight, they really figured out what to do with all three kids. So what's going to be the biggest surprise probably for you is seeing how all three characters are so wildly different in the next season, but how funny they all are by basically them discovering the characters. So I'm, I'm very excited for it. It'll, it'll be, I'm trying to count how many JTT things that we covered on the Oz network. So we've done, um, we did one episode of last man standing. We did one episode of Smallville. He was in, we did two movies. uh, And now we are going to be at eight home. He's he's now at 12. He will be at 12 as of next week, 12, Jonathan Taylor, Thomas, Recaps that we've done on the Oz Network. And we, we got to get to a number 13 at some point.
2: Yeah, that Baker's dozen is just outside.
1: <laughs> it's around the corner. Um, make sure you listen to our best of Christmas recaps. We just had our third best of Christmas recap where we also talk about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Uh, yeah. if you listen to the best of Christmas part three, you will hear us uh going through family Christmas films, which starts with a Muppets Christmas Carol where Jamie very quickly turns it into an R-rated family. Uh, Christmas recap, as you could expect, she would. We also talk about white Christmas. uh, I'll be home for Christmas, which was Jonathan Taylor Thomas's movie, which it was so funny going through the clips of that because I I try to have a certain amount of time per episode. And when we do like a, we got a 60 minute rule, we're getting this done in 60 minutes, which I think was because we were literally recording it like a day or two before Christmas. Um, Half of our recap ends up being just skimming through the plot which is very funny to listen to so uh even though it was a shorter episode i think uh people will enjoy listening to us talk about i'll be home for christmas and just some of the absurd things if you just if you cut out an hour and a half of that movie and you try to boil it down <laughs> in a couple of minutes how absurd some of that plot is is hilarious uh and then um we will have 24 on monday amazing race is done now congratulations rossi uh, i don't know how i did in the rankings but i'll listen to the finale re- recap soon and find out
2: Maybe watch the show.
1: I I might watch the show first. Um, (laughs) And uh, we might be reviewing Avatar The Way of Water this weekend. Do you plan to see Avatar The Way of Water?
2: I do not care
1: at all. Nobody cares. That's the funny thing. I don't care about this.
2: You cannot make a movie that is like, (laughs) you know, transcends the medium of film and then wait 12 plus years and expect people to still care, slash, remember the original.
1: I See, my complaint is the fact that the original without any advanced visual effects, just based on a story, is the most bland thing you've ever seen. Um, Like, there is nothing about the story this memorable, which is, I think, why you know, 12 years later, nobody cares about this. What I think is most interesting about this is how many people plan to see this movie despite having no interest in it. Like I have not talked to one person yet who's excited or who even cares about the first Avatar movie. And yet I know people are, I, I'm going to see it because Jamie said she wanted to see it, had never seen the original. I started showing her the original. We got one hour into it. We still got two more to go. And she was like, well, that's not that bad. She wasn't thrilled by it. She's like, that's not that bad. Let's go see it. And then today when I reminded her, we're going to have to finish watching the first Avatar because I got tickets for the second already. She said, well, we don't have to go see the second movie. I'm like, you told me to buy tickets. (laughs) We're obligated now. I wouldn't have bought tickets for Avatar 2 if you hadn't made me, but now I have to see it. But we might have a review of Avatar 2 this weekend. Uh, (laughs) And then next week, uh, which will be Christmas week, uh, we will have the final best of Christmas, um, uh, best of compilation out. And then that will be followed. Um, I guess, uh, by the final home permit, uh, home for the holidays, season eight, episode 11. Uh, and then there will just be 24 and, um, our best of the year, our 2022 yearly best of compilation, which, uh, you got some good stuff on there, Rossi. Congratulations. Um, my name is Colin, and uh, I'm gonna go doci do naked.
2: I'm Rossi, and I'm going somewhere. There's no good lines.
0: Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram